The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day. Exciting way the to girl start. Got rhythm. Oh, she I, do. I like she it. got backseat oh, rhythm. I'm telling you, we I'm have it on good you. authority. That was vintage. <laughs> that was Bon Scott ACDC. Yes. That was that was from the vault, man. As a that blue was color, uh, blue ribbon ACDC tune, which yes. I had to pull out because, as our audience knows, or if they don't, we're about to drop it on them. It's time for our year-end episode. Yes, featuring the Boomer Awards. <laughs> And everybody's favorite. Well, my, my favorite, personally. I'm a big, I'm a big fan. I am. Yes. I am. Because it's a lot of fun for us. It yes. gives people, you know, 
buzzing and we are, our we choices. We are going to induct tonight. We are going to induct. We are going to induct. We're here at Big Boom Radio Studios with a gala crowd. Yes. All kinds of characters. Festive folks. Yes. Cowboys, Indians, generals, privates, you yes. name it. <laughs> and I think, I think Nigel's drunk off his ass. Yeah, I he's drunk he already. Is. Gin. It's, yeah. He was wrecked at 3 p.m. today. Oh, Jesus. I think he drinks gin for breakfast, quite honestly. He I, does. It's, it's, it's a British usually, thing. Yeah. He's usually 6'2 <laughs> whenever I talk to him, you know? Yeah. You got to be careful smoking a cigarette around that guy. Just, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a veritable cavalcade. It's a nice word. I yes, never use that. It's enough. a good word. Of, it's a good uh, word. of regular personalities. Yes. We have Professor Snoof in the corner. Yeah. Uh, talking politics, he's I think, with freaking uh, people out, I think, yeah. a little bit. Well, you now know? he's got the ear of Connor McConnelly, our, our landscaper. That, so that, that work could that go well. south quickly. We should, we should <laughs> keep an eye on that. Yep. <laughs> we got B here. She's patrolling. Yeah. Make sure everybody's Take, safe. Taking care of business. As she does, and in as her own usual, way. yeah, as usual, we're in a completely undisclosed location. Yeah, because it's got to be that way. It's, it's a win-win. It's got to be that way. Me. And I'm qu- I'm quoting Keanu Reeves from Point Break on that. I don't know if you <laughs> got the reference. It's got to be that way, man. You got to go down. Word. <laughs> All right. So for those, so end of the episode or, or yes. end of the year, let us clink our yes. champagne glasses. Absolutely. I hope that that registered. Uh, There's the second one. There's the third one. <laughs> Because there is a party going on at Big Boom Radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, since we fired it off with uh, with some vintage ACDC, what album was that off of, John? Do you have any idea? I don't know, and I don't care. I didn't think so. Yeah, because albums and dates and facts, that's your ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just riding the lightning, baby. I like it. I like it. It's a good night for it, too. Sure. It's a good night to just sure. go with the flow. <laughs> you know, just surf the madness. Just surf the madness. And I wanted to start with that because, um, well... They'll maybe be one of tonight's inductees. I'm, I'm thinking it's all kind of makes sense, it, right? It may be a good night for the ACDC crew. Yep. I think and so. So for our audience and newcomers, uh, here's how the Big Boom Radio Musical Hall of Fame works. Now you're all familiar with that shithole they got in in, in Cleveland, the, the Rock and Roll Hall the of Fame joke. Right, uh, that it is. That They'll let anybody in. Contradictory experiences. You know, any any uh, any. Uh, Hall of Fame or museum or anything that got shot down by the Sex Pistols. Yeah, just I have no respect for them. I'm with Johnny Rotten on that one, man. <laughs> I think they'll induct anybody who played a recorder in like third grade I'm elementary school. So. Well, they were so stupid they tried to induct <laughs> the Sex Pistols. Like they didn't think that the snub was coming. You yep. know. Yep. And uh, yeah, as as you know, the late the. Well, no, he's still alive. I can't call him the late Johnny Lydon. As Johnny Lydon said, "Fuck them." You know, quite frankly, that's they're one of our recurring they're themes. Absurd. But we have legitimacy here at Big Boom Radio. We do. And here's how we do it, folks. We've broken our selections into four time periods. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bronze Age, 1950 through 1970. The Golden Age, 1971 through 1980. The Silver Age, Johnny's Johnny's wheelhouse. wheelhouse. 1981 through 1990. And then this young whippersnapper (laughs) over here, I guess this is his, the Modern Age, which is 1991 into the beginning of the aughts. Which is ironic as hell because I'm actually older than Johnny Teflon. It's weird. And he no looks figure. younger, too. I, Seriously. Yeah, you know, uh, what can I say? There's, there's certain chemicals that will <laughs> prolong your lifespan. Keith Richards, I think, Yeah. In, other, that, in other words, folks, he's pickled. <laughs> so that being said, we each uh, vote in an act. So we have four inductees yes. apiece. Now, just as a quick recap, we started this last year. We had four artists go in automatically because they were no-brainers. Yep. That was the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, and Elvis Presley. They're kind of our Mount Rushmore of, of exactly. Hall of Fame, of Big Boom Radio yep. Hall of Fame candidates. And you can't, you can't dispute any of them. No. That's why we threw them in because it was going to happen anyway. Yeah. And this thing in its infancy, it's still a target-rich environment full of no-brainers. But uh, just to remind everybody, Michael, who did you put in last year? Uh, as far as uh, my choices for 2019, which seems like it was about a million years ago. Truth. Uh, for the Bronze Age, I went with the Doors. For the Golden Age, I went with the Clash. Uh, for the Silver Age, I confounded many, many, many people. And <laughs> went with, That's what we're calling it went, now. <laughs> went with Jane's Addiction. Nobody saw that one coming. <laughs> And on the modern age, my my uh, uh, my initial, my inaugural inductee was mm-hmm. Pearl Jam. All right. I, uh, conversely, went with Johnny Cash, The Who, of course Van Halen. Of course. And the Foo Fighters. Good calls all the way around. All the way around. Because yep. every yep. one of those, those acts belong in there. And don't forget, folks, our uh, criteria, if you will, for getting these acts in 
recognizability. In other words, if you hear them play a song, you know it's them automatically. And influence. Yes. Influence. Did they influence people that came after them? Yep. And, uh, and yeah, that's obviously, you know, with the modern age, you know, that's not so much uh, the case as with uh, the Bronze Age and the Golden Age and, of course, the Silver Age. But, uh, but the modern age, it's, it's kind of funny because that was 1991 to 2010. Um, Obviously, you know, a few years have transpired since then. But mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, anybody that's come along from 2010 on hasn't earned the right, hasn't earned the privilege right. of besides, being we're part a of classic rock stations yes, of the Big Boom Radio <laughs> Hall of Fame. You got to earn that shit, people. You totally. got to do it. Totally. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, I'm I'm really excited about this year's inductees. Uh, as usual, I think the calls are good. I loved your calls last year, John, and I'm, I'm very excited about hearing your uh, your calls on uh, inductees this year. So, shall we kick it off? Let's kick it off. Let's do it. All right. For my first inductee this year from the Bronze Age, I'm going with Mr. Chuck Berry. I like it. Good call. Good it's call, an easy Chuck. call. Now, as some people may or may not know, Chuck Berry was the first inductee into the, air quotes, actual that rock and roll Hall of Fame. Bullshit Hall of right. Fame, yeah. Because, well, he's just so damn good. He's Chuck Berry. How, he's how, Chuck. how could you not? Yeah. You know? And he influenced everybody that came everybody. after him. Everybody. And in, uh, in recent years, a lot of people are saying that Little Richard was actually the, the father of rock and roll. That's a great debate. It, it really is. is. It is. But I would say that... By and large, Chuck Berry influenced more artists. Well, Richard didn't play an instrument, you know. Right. Richard is Richard. Richard is the very definition of flamboyant. Of course, he will tell you that yeah. he is the father of rock and roll. He will tell you of, you know, touring with the Rolling Stones and mm-hmm. teaching Mick Jagger to dance and all that. But, uh, but Richard didn't write his own songs. Richard didn't play an instrument. Right. Uh, no, you know, no disrespect to Richard. He was an inaugural and, uh, and just, you know... Stunning, stunning. I'd say what I mean. He did invent. Then again, you could maybe even include Frank Sinatra here. But like, in terms of rock and roll, at least he invented the role of front man. Oh, he invented flamboyance. Yes, you know, you Google flamboyance. Richard's gonna be there. If rock and roll had a color, paint it with a swatch of Little Richard. Oh yeah, you know, no debating that. Yeah, we're on our third third (laughs) bottle of champagne tonight, folks. So. But no, credit where credit is due. Richard was a, a progenitor, and, 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 you know, no disrespect to him whatsoever, but Chuck Berry was Chuck Berry. I mean, you know, none other than Keith Richards will tell you oh, that sure, sure. he ripped off every lick Chuck ever played, and that's, yep. that's a nod right there. And even there, John man. Lennon, you know, Chuck Berry was his favorite yep. growing up. I mean, it just speaks for itself. Yeah. So there you and go. I, that's my I number one. Keith, Keith will also admit that, like, Chuck Berry was the only guy that ever punched him in the face that he let, let him get away with it. <laughs> you know, and they were doing the Chuck Hall of Fame special, you know, back in 87 yep, and whatnot. Yep. So, yeah, but, uh, but getting back to our inductee, let's not digress. Uh, you know, there's no understanding Chuck Berry's impact and, uh, and his influence over, you know, all of rock and roll that came after him. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely phenomenal. Who's your Bronze Age, sir? Uh, for my Bronze Age choice, I'm going with the immortal Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. Nice. I mean, this guy, you know, one of the things that absolutely stuns me about Buddy is he cranked out classics uh, like That'll Be the Day, uh, Peggy Sue, Well All Right, Oh Boy, Dream On, Not Fade Away, Words of Love. Uh, he was a huge influence on the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. Bob Dylan would cite Buddy Holly mm-hmm. as an influence. Eric Clapton. Uh, the Hollies, Graham Nash from Crosby, Stills and Nash's band before Crosby, Stills and Nash, uh, they named their band in his honor. Uh, Buddy died in February of 1959 at the age of 22. Wow! You know, it is absolutely stunning that the guy did what he did. You know, prior to you yep. know the day the music died, which of course is the McLean's you know immortal nod to that. And that unlike night. so many other you know legendary rock and rollers that flew, you know, too close to the sun and mm-hmm. died from their own devices. Buddy was just a strange twist of fate, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, it was just meant to be. Wrong place, wrong time. But, yeah. th- that, you know, unfortunately, you know, sometimes, you know, death guarantees your immortality. Sure. You know, in a situation like that, as tragic as it was, um, you know, what a way to go. How, how, mm. I mean, how completely rock and roll, you know? And again, 22 years old. 
that that just yeah. that just blows me away that he was able to do what he did in that shorter period of time. And man, he came out of Lubbock, Texas. Man, back when you know people don't understand these days that you know he was combining things that back then would get your house burned down. Sure, you sure. know, to you combine. Boy, you know, don't be playing them Negro spirituals around here. Exactly, you know. <laughs> so just absolutely phenomenal artist and an incredible influence. Um, you know. Uh, the topic of probably the only rock bio film I can tolerate, the Buddy yeah, Holly you story. You and I both. And, uh, you know, just a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. It's stunning to imagine what he might have been able to accomplish, yeah, yeah. you know, had he lived beyond the age of 22. Mm-hmm. So, you know, props to Buddy Holly all the way around. All right. That brings us over to my selection. This is, like, better than the NFL draft. Seriously. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. And it's even better with champagne. Yes. I like this. Well, I do. That remains to be seen. <laughs> Ask me tomorrow morning. All right. Coming in with my golden age pick from 71 through 1980. A uh, lot of choices here. A lot of choices. It's a tough call. That was a vintage era yep. for rock and roll. But for just you know, recognizability, playability, uh, album sales, you name it, I had to go with ACDC. Yeah. Had to, had to. And, um, you know, the thing I love about ACDC is that even though many would consider them to be a metal act or a heavy metal act, they are first and foremost a band. And these guys have chops. There's not a, like, jumping around and screaming. Yes, they have stage presence and they have an unmistakable sound, but they're so good at what they do. They are the epitome, <laughs> That's why they've been around so they long. Are the epitome of rock gut rock and roll. I would yep. never, never include them in, you know, a, a, a heavy metal category. Right. To me, they were just old school throw down. Yep. I mean, they were like a like a bar band that blew up, not yeah. unlike the Rolling Stones. Yep. You know, they just. And I love how they they reflect the um, what's come to be known as the Ozploitation period of the '70s in Australia, <laughs> where they were really working hard to Americanize themselves and, yep. and turn into like a little Hollywood. Um, but again, ACDC is so raw, and yet, you know, some people will say Australia is like British Texas. Yeah. <laughs> ACDC personifies that because the lyrics that are songs and all the subject matter is so incredibly Americanized. You it, would not really think is. that they're it from really the land yeah. out under, you know? That's phenomenal. That's one of the, one of the incredibly unique characteristics about ACDC. And I mean, one of the things I respect... Um, you know, having been in a band myself and, and, and gone through all the shit you go through in a band, these guys lost their lead singer. They brought in another guy, and they yep. got even bigger than they already yeah. were. You know, <laughs> nobody the exact does same that. Formula. Nobody does that. You know, that is unique to ACDC. It yep. truly is. Yep. And, uh, and, yeah, just great songs, great hooks, mm-hmm. um, and just fun. You know, yeah. they, they really epitomized to me fun yep. in rock and roll. You know, they never took themselves that seriously. And they just threw down. And then, you know, that's, that's what they continue to do yeah. is throw down. Yeah, so in other words, I mean, there's, there's some bands that you drink your drinks to, and there's other bands that you throw your glasses to. <laughs> ACDC is definitely uh, the latter of that. Yep, yep, definitely, which, is, which is so totally rock and roll. Yep. Uh, again, like you were saying, the, 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 the golden age is a tough, tough call. You know, there's so many, so many great bands and so many uh, great artists that deserve the honor. And after, you know, going over and over and over this, I decided I'm going with David Bowie. Outstanding. Yeah, the crowd loves that. I do, too. I mean, it's funny, you know, if you look at the arc of uh, Bowie's career before he passed away in 2016, um, he blew up in the 1980s with the Let's Dance album. Mm -hmm. But he really, really established himself as an artist in the 1970s. Totally agree. Um, You know, just to reel off... What this guy did in the 1970s, as far as like album production, he did The Man Who Sold the World in 1970, he did Hunky Dory in 1971, he did The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars in 72, Aladdin Sane, my personal favorite, 73, Pin Up 73, Diamond Dog 74, and then he shifted gears and became, you know, the Thin White Duke and released Young Americans <laughs> in 75, Station to Station 76, Low 77, Heroes 77. Lodger, kind of a uh, underappreciated Bowie album in '79, mm-hmm. and on top of that, all right, as if that wasn't enough, he got to work with Lou Reed and put out or produced along with Mick Ronson what is arguably Lou Reed's greatest album, Transformer '72. Then he got with Iggy Pop, and they did The Idiot together in 1977 and Lust for Life in 1977. Mm. 
It was like... He's a busy cat. You know, I hate to say cocaine, you know, <laughs> would be good for you as an artist, but uh, look at that that just incredible canon of work. Yep. That's just stunning, you know? And then, yeah, in 83, he threw down Let's Dance and made some money. Sure. You know, just absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal uh, artist all the way around. He was always on the forefront of, you know, what was new, what was exciting, what was cutting edge. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's four years gone, and, and, you know, we miss him terribly. Yeah. And, uh, but excellent, excellent choice to go in. That was, you know, like I said, we've got so many to put in. Yeah. We're still in these, it seems like a no-brainer phase. Yeah. But, you know, that's why they're going in now, because they're we're, that we're damn building, good. We're building <laughs> the foundation. And yep. these guys, this first line... You know, are the guys that really, really, really deserve it, really earned sure, it, the guys sure. that really inspired everybody. And I tell you what, my friend, since now we've each uh, done two of their in inductees, why don't we take a quick gem break? Ah, I like it. Because, yes, folks, we're doing four gems today. All right, all right. And why don't we uh, do one maybe by one of your is inductees, this, oh, this is my call? Yeah. All right, good stuff, good stuff. Well, I'm going to jump back to the Bronze Age. Uh, we're going to go with an absolute classic from Buddy Holly. We're going to go with Oh Boy. Nice, one of my personal faves. We're going to play some Buddy Holly for you folks, and then we'll be back in a few minutes to keep this ball a-rolling with lots of things and stuff. All of my love, all of my kissing, you don't know what you've been missing, oh boy. Oh boy. When you're with me, oh boy. Oh boy. The whole world can see that you oh were meant for me. All of my life, I've been waiting But so deserving, an icon of rock and roll. Yeah, and, and just a huge influence. And, I mean, how many people have a play, you know, based on the movie, based <laughs> right, on their right, life? Right. You know, I actually saw the Buddy Holly story on stage as a stage show, and yeah. it, was, it was great fun. You know, there was something just light and uplifting and fun about that era of music. Right. You know, a lot of the shit that's, you know, come since then, social commentary and whatnot, mm -hmm. you know, shit gets a little on the heavy side from time to time. But, uh, but that era, you know, and that song in particular was just fun. Yeah, by all accounts, he was just, you know, a low-key, likable guy. Yeah. Didn't come in with the fanfare uh, of, an, of an Elvis. Wasn't as intense as a Johnny Cash. Um, wasn't looking to just get rowdy like Jerry Lee Lewis. You know, <laughs> yeah. Buddy Holly was, was a nice guy. He was focused on his sound. He was and a master of writing pop hits. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just, just pop, just fun. Yep. And, uh, and, yeah, not a surprise that he was as much of an influence uh, on the people that came after him. I mean, how many people can claim they, they were an influence on Bob Dylan? Right. You right. know, that's, that's just incredible. So, moving right along, John. Moving right along. It's time for the Silver Age. I like Inductees. it. I like it. And that, of course, is from 1981 to 1990. 
Now, for me, I had uh, I had problems with this one because another tough era. Yeah, a lot of choices. Yeah, um, but luckily, you know, really from the, the space of eighty one through ninety, there weren't exactly a whole lot of rock and roll megastars. Well, there wasn't a lot of groundbreaking stuff going on during right, that time right. period. Within that, and that's the thing. Within that time period, so many got their start in the 70s. Yeah, very much Whether so. it was Springsteen, Billy Joel, Elton John, Rod Stewart, they all got their start in look the 70s. At, look at the lineup of Live Aid. Right, you know? right, right. And, uh, and yeah, these, these were you know, pretty much established acts that had been around for a bit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was some underground stuff going on, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, uh, but yeah, as far as like what was going on in pop music. Right, that was it. It was a pop decade. Yeah, very much so. Until... <laughs> Oh, and we should have a big drum roll on this because <laughs> these guys were a wrecking ball. We're and an absolute wrecking it. ball. Um, for, for my modern age pick, um, I'm sorry, my, my uh, silver age pick, I had to go with Guns N' Roses. Yes. I went with Guns N' Roses because they were different than everybody else out there. And even if you look at them and say, well, they didn't have a huge body of work, Again, we could fall on record sales for what they did produce and most certainly other acts that they influenced. And, look, recognizability. Axl Rose's voice, Slash's guitars, it's a no-brainer. You know, I can't, can't uh, say enough about the impact that Guns N' Roses had. I was fortunate enough to be in L.A. when Appetite for Destruction broke. Mm -hmm. And uh, these guys, I mean, over and over again, you heard the description, they're the real thing. Right, right. You know, I don't know of a higher compliment you can pay to a band than they're mm -hmm. the real deal. Yep. You know, these guys literally, quite literally, were a wrecking ball right. on the pop music. They did not give a fuck. And the first time I heard Guns N' Roses, surprisingly, was not on the radio or not from a friend's cassette, but in the movie The Deadpool. Really? Yes, a Dirty Harry movie with Clint Eastwood called The Deadpool. I remember it. The opening scene is Axel singing Welcome to the Jungle. Yep. And he plays a rock star who was in this Deadpool and yeah. gets knocked off. Yep, yep. Um, but even seeing that in the movies, I was like, wow, this is more intense than any of the, you know, quote unquote, hair metal pretty, that was around at the time. Pretty cheesy movie from what I Oh, yeah, <laughs> what yeah. I not exactly Oscar-worthy. Yeah, it wasn't one of the But that was best, their, you know, first injection, and that's how they would like us to word it, <laughs> I'm sure, into the mainstream society's consciousness. And then when I got a chance to, you know, get the album and start listening to it, it very simply, unlike oh, anything else jaw out dropping. there. It was yeah. just utterly jaw-dropping. They, you know, it's funny because they dropped uh, Appetite for Destruction uh, I want to say early to mid 87. Yep. It didn't yep. hit right away. Yeah. It took some touring, it took some effort, and it wasn't until Sweet Child of Mine mm -hmm. uh, broke on MTV that Guns N' Roses took off. Yeah. But, uh, but when they did, good God. Yeah. You know, they were such a hodgepodge mismatch of, you know, 70s rock sensibility. Um, that was very, very foreign to the 1980s. And these guys were completely unapologetic about mm -hmm. anything they were. You know, they had a just-say-yes attitude yes, to... swagger. Yeah, that. to being just absolutely badass. And, and being uh, new, they didn't have to earn their stripes, at least when it came to mainstream acceptance. Yeah. They just carried themselves like they've been doing it forever. Yeah. You know? Yep, very much. Very much so. And they just flat-out did not give a fuck. And that was, that was real. That wasn't a, right. a contrived image right. that some record &R guy company yeah. dick came up with. <laughs> that was really Guns N' Roses. And uh, they were a wreck in motion. They were the epitome of rock and roll. It's, it's a wonder that they all survived, that they didn't have yeah. any casualties. Nobody dropped dead. Because when they did hit, they just, it was a, just a uh, comet. I don't know yeah. how else to describe it. You know, they just rocketed to stardom yep. and, uh, and just were absolutely phenomenal. I actually, I remember in, I want to say it was 87, 88, around then, I saw them open for the Stones at the Coliseum. Hmm. And that was the, the legendary night that Axel had a meltdown and, <laughs> uh, and, you know, dissed the rest of the band. You know, talked about how, you know, this was going to be the last Guns N' Roses show uh, if people didn't stop fucking around with Mr. Brownstone. You know, and in the end, they encored with Paradise. They encored. Okay, this is, a, this is the Coliseum. This is the L.A. Coliseum. There's like 90,000 people there. Mm -hmm. And they got an encore. They were that, that good at that point in time. And he, I remember when he, 
they finished Paradise City, threw down the microphone and said, I quit, and flew <laughs> off the stage. Typical accent move. And I was dying laughing. It was like that was vintage Guns N' Roses at that time. They were right. chaos on wheels. And, you know, in all honesty, you couldn't be more rock and roll than that. Yeah. You know, they were the epitome of rock and roll. And if you take a band without that swagger, just like them, you've got Skid Row. <laughs> That's what happens, kids. You can't fake it. And you take away the talent, of course, and the songwriting right, right. and everything like that. You know, you can't get away from the fact that, that Guns N' Roses wrote good songs. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the bottom line of any great band is, is how good the songs are. Yeah, and he's standing the test of time. Songs. Yeah, yep. he really did. All right, my brother. Let's kick it over to you, right. Silver Age. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a band that is, was a little bit less chaos-inducing. But, uh, but a band that really laid the groundwork for what would, uh, what would come later on in the 1990s. Uh, for Silver Age, I'm going with R.E.M. R.E.M. The crowd likes that one, too. Um, well, they're rem- drunk. They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but they look like they're having a good time. They Handsome do. crowd. They do. I, I think I just saw B dragging somebody out the door. Great. Yeah, there's pro- <laughs> probably Nigel. But, uh, but yeah, man, I remember the first time I heard Radio Free Europe in 1983, it was like, whoa, this is something different. This is something completely different. And, you know, from that point on, R.E.M. just rolled uh, forward as far as like establishing cred as an outsider band. And, you know, they laid the groundwork for so many bands in the late 80s that uh, at the time were considered, quote unquote, college radio mm-hmm. that would become alternative rock for the 1990s. Good point. You know, yep. They were one of the first indie bands that toured constantly in the van, mm-hmm. you know, playing small clubs, you know, all over the country, you know, establishing crash pads for broke musicians, you right. know, at the time who were doing the same thing. Um, it's funny because they blew up uh, like many of these bands did in the 1990s. Um, 1991 with their Out of Time album, but from 84 to 88, they they released an album a year and just really, really established their credibility as an honest-to-God real thing. They weren't going away. You know, there's some real, real talent there. And like a handful of other bands, like I said, they laid the groundwork for everything that came after them as far as, like, alternative rock was concerned Mm -hmm. in the 1990s. Um, You know, you can't say enough about their music and, and what they accomplished at the time against, against all odds, quite frankly. Right. You know, the music industry wasn't accepting of a band like R.E.M. in the 1980s, and they did it anyway, mm-hmm. you know, which was kind of a fuck you to the establishment. Right. And what could be more rock and roll than that? Yeah. You know? And people respond to that because you needed something different. No matter how good good is, there needs to be something else, yeah. you know, if that makes no sense at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just... And it's funny because they threw down the term alternative, uh-huh. you know, and R.E.M. was one of the first bands to be acknowledged as a quote-unquote alternative band. Right. And, uh, and they ran with it, you mm-hmm. know, and they succeeded. They succeeded beyond anybody's expectations. Right. And, uh, and, yeah, you know, going back to, like I said, the first time I heard Radio Free Europe, that was like, this is something different. You know, this yeah. is coming. You know, and that was in an age with, with so much synth pop yeah. out there. Yeah. And if you look at other groups that perhaps encapsulated the same soulfulness as, as the R.E.M. And, and their lyrics... You'd be looking at groups like, you know, The Cure and things like that. But again, that was electronic music, basically. Yeah, yeah. I remember Depeche Mode. Right. You exactly. know, being very big during that era. And not to take anything along. away from those bands. I'm just saying. No, no, no. It no. was, was uh, alt regaire, is, is that the phrase? <laughs> to <laughs> make everything electronically at, at that point. Yeah, that was kind of a thing. Right. And then all of a sudden, you got these, these what was it, four or five of them from Georgia? Uh, four of them. Four of them. And they come out and they're playing their instruments. And it's, yeah. you know, Songs out of the vein of something like Tom Petty would do or Springsteen would do. Yeah, clearly, clearly, clearly they were influenced by mm-hmm. bands like that. I mean, it, you could have almost fit them in that new wave, you know, post-punk wave, you know, wave of bands that Petty and the Heartbreakers were included in. They kind of would have fit nicely into that, mm. but they were, in fact, the wave of the future. And, uh, and again, you know, the success that they encountered, you know, was just a tribute to their... You know their their wherewithal that they right. just kept kept going. They they carved you know a new path, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's a very very difficult thing to do. You know, in in the music industry in general, and uh, and they did it. You know, yeah. so props to them all the way. All right, good choice. A lot more 
mainstream and, and, and sense-making than perhaps Jane's Addiction was. <laughs> oh, come on that. now. Come on now. We had this discussion last year. <laughs> and we're doing our damnedest, folks, not to make you self-indulgent. Seriously. Uh, we're doing it for the music. But it's the not about us. The champagne is flowing, though, folks. Oof. You know. Okay. All right, so we're into the modern we age. We have arrived in the modern age, and I don't know about you, sir, but for me, this is the hardest time period because, you know, a lot of these bands, they're still making music, whereas the other ones are more or less, if not retired, certainly settled down. Now they just yeah. tour and they, they enjoy their, you know, the fruits of their labors. Yep. Whereas the, the modern age bands, even if they did start in 1991, they're still cranking out hits. Yeah, there's, there's a handful of them that are still around, and that just proves, or that's just, in a, uh, I guess, a tribute to their artistry. Yeah. Um, that they can still maintain relevance even yep. even so many so many years sure. later and reinvent themselves. You know, uh, take some pieces away, add some new pieces. Yep. Uh, and known none so much more than the Red Hot Chili Peppers. There we go. The crowd finally approves of one of mine. <laughs> Lovely, you traitorous bastards. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, wow. Where, where do you start with the Red Hots? And I'm surprised, you know, you didn't jump on this because you're Captain California. But yeah. They symbolize, to me at least, the, the Californian lifestyle. Oh, they warts are, and all. The Chili Peppers are so Southern California; it's incredible. Right, right. And uh, and it's funny because yeah, you know when I when I got out to Southern California in the mid '80s, these guys were a club band. Yeah, you know, and they they had a they had a reputation, you know, mm -hmm. in the underground because they were doing something different than anybody else was doing. They were combining funk with punk with rock and roll. Yep. You know, they found a niche. Uh, that nobody else was 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 investigating or exploring and whatnot, and they ran with it. They never faltered from it, mm -hmm. and they blew it the hell up. And I look at it this way, because you know I'm not a facts and figures kind of guy. You know, if, if you go to the beach and you eat a slice of pizza, you're the Beach Boys. If you go to the beach and grab a slice of pizza and it falls and gets all over your shirt and everything, you're the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm thinking so. I'm thinking so. <laughs> because again, it's it's the California lifestyle with all the bumps, bruises, warts, you know, scratches. Because um, they tell it like it is, and that's how they, they, they went through it all. Right? They really did. They've stood the test of time. Their songs stay in the test of time, and they've got a lot of really good messages in their music. Oh yeah. They may have started talking about surfing and skating and, and hooking up with broads, but as time went on, they dealt with everything from drug addiction to mental illness to their own struggles to stay relevant. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. kind of poking fun and, and looking askew at the record industry, and. Every time they just they just hit it. They're so oh, good at reinventing. I mean, they even survived Anthony Kiedis's Hitler mustache face, <laughs> which I thought for sure. I'm like, well, all right, he's don't got over don't, the don't edge. Don't be harsh on my boy now. Come on, that was. Just, I mean, Michael Jordan couldn't even pull that off. That was part of the journey, <laughs> damn it. That was part of the journey. But yeah, you know, it's absolutely incredible if you listen to you know Red Hot Chili Peppers circa 1986, 1987, and then you listen to the stuff that they're doing now. Um, you know, the maturity, mm. um, you know, how they've, they maintain the core of what they are, but they've uh, added to that all their experience. And, uh, you know, there's a handful of bands out there that, you know, go back to my youth, um, you know, in the, in the 80s and I've and seen 1990s. them in wood carvings, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> but, you know, I prefer... Um, the stuff that they've cranked out most recently, the yeah. mature versions of these bands. I can say that about Pearl Jam, for a good mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. And I can say that about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. As much as I do love their old stuff, and their old right. stuff is, is still, man, if you want to throw down and you want to party and you want to break shit, sure. you know, that's, that's where you go. But like the mature stuff, you know, Anthony's songwriting, you know, his lyric writing has come so far. It's, it's, it's really, really incredible, and it's really, really impressive. Mm. You know, and the rest of the band, the way they've matured as far as being musicians, how much better they've gotten. You know, right. Flea continues to be an icon sure, on the bass, sure. just an absolute icon. And just recently, John Frusciante rejoined mm. the band. Um, as a matter of fact, one of my biggest bitches with 2020 is they were coming to Boston and they were gonna they were gonna play. I remember in, that in, yep. back in May. And, and missed out. Yeah, Thanks, COVID. It got, yeah, it got totally pandemic. You know, hopefully they'll be coming back soon. But I was absolutely looking forward to seeing them yet again. Yeah. You know, after all these years, because they're still they're still throwing down. Yep. You know. So there you have it. That's my modern age choice, and that Good brings call, us John. to you, Good sir. Call. All right, all right. Well, you know, a lot of people I think were a little bit shocked that I didn't go with these these guys last years because you you'd think that they would be, 
you know, an inaugural mm-hmm. uh, inductee. Um, but I went in a different direction. Now I'm going to correct that. All right. All right. I'm going with Nirvana as far as the modern age. Yeah, the crowd likes that one. No surprise there. I mean, you know, what and I can, do too. What can you say about these guys? <laughs> I mean, what can you say about Nirvana? One of the things that I absolutely love about Nirvana is it show, they showed how stupid the record industry can be. When they released um, their major label debut, Nevermind, uh, on Geffen DGC in 1991, Geffen was hoping, hoping that they would sell 250,000 copies of this album. They were hoping. By the end of 1991... How many millions? They were selling 400,000 copies of this album every week. Oof. Okay? Just shows you how some of these music industry people can have their heads so far up their asses, they don't realize what they have on their hands. You know, and these guys, I mean, you know, what we all understand now, they changed the course of popular music. Mm Mm-hmm. There are, no, I mean, I don't know, you know, Elvis maybe did that. Right. Um, there's just so few artists that you can say that about. Um, their impact was absolutely stunning. I mean, you want to talk about taking a wrecking ball to the industry. Mm. You know, oh, my God. These guys were just, just absolutely stunning. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I, there's so many things that you could say about them that have already been said. But... Uh, you know, these guys, by 2009, it sold 75 million copies of their albums worldwide. 75 million. You know, and I don't like reducing Nirvana to sales figures because that was never what they were about. Right, right. You know, they were about authenticity. And uh, it's funny, they were one of the bands um, that were unique to the whole alternative rock thing where they were bringing a pop sensibility to the music they were writing, or excuse me, a punk sensibility to the music that they were they were writing and they were putting out, but they weren't punk rock. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people confuse, you know, that about Nirvana. Right. Nirvana wasn't punk rock. They were something very unique and very different from that. Well, with them being at, at the vanguard of the grunge movement, people didn't know what to call them at the time. Yeah, it was a whole new thing. And really, you know, they were definitely another example of, of a band whose video presence walked hand in hand with their completely different sound because think yeah. of the airplay that the uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit video got on MTV. Oh, yeah. People would just stare at the screen like, what is this? What it's is so this? dark. It's, it's, it's like a nightmare. Yeah, it's so hard to describe <laughs> to people now that impact, the visual yep, impact that, that they shock. had. <laughs> yeah, they were like, yeah, people were quite literally like, holy shit, what yeah, is this? Yeah. You know, this is something obviously very, very new. Yep. We don't quite know how to react to it. Cheerleaders yeah, with no. black nails, and yeah, like just unenthusiastic, unenthusiastically shaking these these ratty ass pom poms, and really, you look at it, it's like something out of a nightmare. Yeah, and they they spoke to, um, you know, a generation of kids who were damaged, yeah, quite frankly, and we're seeing through the crap. Yeah, and uh, and they really gave them voice, and mm-hmm. uh, and that was what was so shocking about Kurt's departure, right. In '94, but it, it kind of, I don't know, it played right into the narrative. Like they say, the, of the that cobbler's era. children go without shoes. Yeah, you know, but uh, but you can't you can't in any way, shape, or form uh, underspeak. I don't know their impact. I mean, if you lived in those times, it was stunning. It was absolutely stunning. Yeah. It was jaw dropping. You know, they were they were so new and so different. That, uh, that, you know, like we were saying, nobody really knew coming out of the gate how to take these guys. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, their impact and, and the, the reverberations of that impact, you know, live on to this day, quite frankly. Right, right. And, uh, well, excellent choice. And, thank you, and, sir. and there you have it, folks. Those are our eight inductees into the 2020. Big Boom Radio Hall of Fame. Thanks. He's got to get a No, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like cheering here, man. I'm, I'm joining the crowd. <laughs> Somebody's got an air horn and it's very distracting. They keep yes, setting it off. Jesus, yeah, it's sick. Oh, sick where's B? On B? That, Seriously, that trying to start get him B. These sycophants and freeloaders we have here. <laughs> I'm telling you, not you, Nigel. Go back They're to sleep. They're drinking all the champagne, damn it. <laughs> all right, folks. Here's what we're gonna do. We've got another whole segment coming. Of course, yes, this we is do. Like bonus-sized episode. So I'm gonna throw out now uh, a little something from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. 
Uh, let's bust the gym. Let's do it. And because, I mean, wow, such a huge catalog, all these different identities and themes. Tough choices. Tough we choices. We went the fun route. All yes. right. So here we go with their remake of the Ohio Players Classic Love Roller Coaster. Here's your red hot chili peppers. See, how could oh, you go yeah. wrong? So oh, yeah. many, so many songs we could have picked. God, that makes me want to dance on the furniture. Right? It truly does. And look Good at fun. the two of us people might compare us to, say, like a, a Beavis and Butthead combination. <laughs> but, you know, they would rue the day. 
So, yes, of course. Love Road Coaster by the Red Hots. Thank Good you call, so much. John. Good call. All right. Now, now, yes. and now, for the hundreds listening in around the world, let's get ready to nominate. It's time for the 2020 Piece of Shit of the Year Awards. Yes, it's we get our pound of flesh, our comeuppance. Yes, yes. Basically, folks, uh, just in case our definition of piece of shit differs from yours, Michael and I each have selected somebody who, for whatever reason, rubs us the wrong way. They are the embodiment of pieces of shit. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> given how big a piece of shit the entire year 2020 was, Oof. this is a good way to cap it <laughs> off, I think. I, I feel good about this. It is. And they're not necessarily uh, cultural, nor political, uh, not factional, nor fictional. It's just people that they're pieces of shit. They got under our skin, folks. All right. They did. All right. So let me lead this off. because Roll I'm, it out, I'm, Johnny. I'm generally out of the two of us the one that's, that's filled with more vitriol than you are. <laughs> you kind of believe in the innate goodness of man. It's, it's the difference between an herb smoker and a non-herb smoker. Exactly. Frankly, yes. And like I said in the first episode of this thing, my, my MO is, you know, everybody meet, I'm sizing up their threat potential. <laughs> so, of course, when somebody famous crosses my path and I see them on TV all the time and whatnot. Just as a rule of thumb, anytime I meet somebody, it's, does this guy have good green or does he not have good green? Exactly. See? It's a barometer. It We're is. just looking for different things out of life. I'm telling you. <laughs> but we can agree on a good podcast. So that yes. being said, my nominee for this year's Piece of Shit of the Year Award is none other than Nancy Pelosi. And I actually like the air horn on that one. Thank you, sir. I'm a little shocked, John. I'm shocked. How? How not, so? Not really. I didn't nominate her not twice? Woof. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been shocked had you not called out Nancy. Yes. Now, here, here's the skinny, folks. I'll keep it short and sweet. Um, just because I disagree with some of these politics doesn't even put them on my radar, okay? There's two sides to everything, and I respect that. However, we all know that certain politicians uh, shouldn't be collecting money for doing what they're doing and that's where I kind of put her so two things made me want to choose her the first one was uh, not too long ago when she had come out on camera and said you know someone asked her well why do you think this stimulus is going to pass now and why are you putting your support behind it now and she basically said new president so it's like, okay, so you're kinda, jerking around people. Just Kind of sound a little bit like that. Little, little fit. Little, the, the teeth don't, don't fit <laughs> in her mouth. <laughs> Bitch. All right. Well, as anybody who, who listens to this podcast knows, uh, John, is a, John is a registered Republican. John's conservative. John's a Trump guy. I am a Democrat. I am a registered Democrat. have been all my life. I did vote for Joe Biden, voted for Hillary Clinton. And you'd think that we'd be on opposite ends of the spectrum on this. But quite honestly... In the midst of a crisis, I despise anyone who's playing politics. Word. And then my, my second one, uh, my second reason for putting her on her list, was a little exchange she had with Mr. Wolf Blitzer of CNN fame, where he was bringing to her attention, look, a lot of your, your contemporaries and your, your fellow Democrats want to push this through, because right now, any help is better than no help. And he cited a couple individuals that were pushing for this. And she was initially just very dismissive of this, saying, well, they're not privy to closed-door conversations and whatnot. And that could very well be. Um, but when he saw that the interview was going nowhere and decided to cut it short uh, on the note of kind of, you know, let's agree to disagree or, look, these are really difficult times and we'll pick this up later, she wouldn't let it go. And she came back at him with the following little exchange. Listen for yourselves. On that note, thank you so much yeah, for joining there will us. There people on the boat that you are not right on this, Wolf, and I hate to say that to um, you, but I feel confident about it, and I feel confident about my colleagues, and I feel confidence in my chairs. It's not about me. It's about millions of Americans who can't put food on the table, who can't pay the rent, and we represent them, and we represent them, and we represent them. These long food lines that we're seeing. I know you are. them. I'm just saying. We represent them, and we know them. As we, we say, we know them. We represent them. Don't let yes. the perfect be the enemy of the good, as they say. It is here nowhere in near perfect. 
Madam Speaker. Always the case, but we're not even close to the good. All right, let's see what happens because every day is critically, critically important. Thanks so much Thank for joining us. Thank you for your us. sensitivity to our constituents' needs. I am sensitive to them because I see them on the street begging for food, begging for money. Madam Speaker, thank Have you so you much. Have you fed them? We feed them. We we'll, feed them. We'll continue this conversation down the road for sure. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. The defense rests, Your Honor. Ouch. So I'm giving that an ouch. And I was watching this live, and, and just so everybody knows, Michael Shortley, to his credit, said to me, is that the straight-up audio from that? I said, yes. I was a little shocked, quite frankly. And it was extremely difficult to find this because it's been sanitized on both sides of the aisle, whether yeah. it's Fox or CNN. They will just want to cleanse it so that that final little tit-for-tat where he says, you know, I, I see the people begging for food on my way to work, they don't even want to cover that, yeah. you know, which really came as a surprise to me. But yes, for me, that sealed the deal as a tone-deaf career politician. And for me, it was a no-brainer at that I point. I was kind of kind of shocked. Wolf found a set, you know, he found a set of balls on that one. Yeah, know? yeah. You know, he was he was digging in. And and, and, uh, and good for, yeah, good for Wolf Blitzer. That's a Wolf Blitzer of 10 years ago. The yeah. war correspondent Wolf Blitzer. Yeah. Who just was like, what? He could slow it down frame by frame and actually see his face twist in a, oh, bitch, it's on kind of expression. <laughs> So that's my thing, sir. Aye. Congrats, All right. Nancy. All right. All right. Like I said, I would have been shocked if you'd gone in a different direction. But, uh, you know, you presented your case well, John. You Thank presented you. it Thank well. You. So now I have my shot. Oh, boy. I like The this. progressive response. You know, there's a special ring in hell. Oh, yes. Reserved for betrayers. You know? I mean, there's just there are a few sins that you could commit that are worse than betrayal. <laughs> You know, just ask Judas, who I'm sure is rotting in hell, in that very circle I reference. So my piece of shit 2020 award goes to South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. Oh, the crowd goes nuts. Uh, little, little turn on his good buddy Joe Biden, you know, over the course of the, uh, the last, uh, last month or so. Go on. Uh, you know, once upon a time, these guys were friends. They defied conventional wisdom regarding politics and that two people could be on different sides of the aisle mm -hmm. and not be able to get together and work together. And once upon a time, that was the thing. You know, Lindsey Graham once said that, uh, that God never put a more decent human being on earth than Joe Biden. Oof. Joe Biden once remarked that, that he would campaign for or against Lindsey Graham, depending on which would help him more. I mean, those guys were tight. Wow. Those guys were tight. But unfortunately, 2020 seems to have intervened. <laughs> you know, Donald Trump, you know, a lot of people, you know, probably predicted I was going to go Donald Trump's, uh, go Donald Trump on this. Right. But, you know, ever since he got elected, rightly or wrongly, you know, my whole take on Donald Trump has been he's just being Donald Trump. He's sure. not doing anything I didn't expect. You know, he got elected, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, justifiably or, or accordingly or whatever, however you want to put it. Um, and Trump was just Trump. And if he did anything that, that surprised you, you obviously haven't been paying attention. But this betrayal is right up there with Judas. I'm sorry. You know, the fact that Lindsey turned on Joe Biden, uh, he spearheaded, you know, the, the push to investigate Hunter Biden, which, as far as I'm concerned, is just politicking bullshit at this point. I mean, this is just, just uh, it's jaw-dropping. It's just jaw-dropping. And it's disgusting, quite frankly. Um, I just want to share one, one little quote please, uh, for, for, for Lindsey Graham. <laughs> you know, I'm sure he's not exactly sitting down and, 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 you know, sitting on the edge of his chair waiting every week for the new, you know, Riffs and Ranch show. But just in case anybody could get word to Lindsey <laughs> on this, um, the quote is this. No one ever really pays for betrayal in silver. The price of betrayal always comes due in flesh. And that was attributed to Stephen King benefits of a classical education so that is my message for Lindsey Graham uh, he is my piece of shit 2020 <laughs> and there you have it oh.
I wish, yeah, maybe next year we should do multiple pieces of shit. You know, it's, or male and female for equal opportunity. There's very rarely a shortage of candidates, unfortunately. Sure. You know? <laughs> but, uh, John, I think we need to blow it out. I think we need a gem here. What do you Air think? Air it out. Air it out. I know you got one waiting in the kitty oh, for us. Oh, I do indeed. And I think it's most appropriate to it's cap a off snarling, this It's snarling, snarling one, too. It's nasty. It's nasty. Uh, this is uh, one of my favorite, if not my very favorite, Nirvana songs. Uh, from the Nevermind album, this is a song called Breed. Nice. Strap this on, folks. We'll be back in a few minutes with some more things and stuff. so much better. I do. That's a rowdy-ass tune. Yeah, you know, that makes you want to throw shit around, break shit. Yep. It, uh, it's a cut-loose tune. And, and uh, ironically enough, not a, uh, you know, because obviously, as our listeners know, you're much more the uh, quote-unquote grunge guy than mm-hmm. I am. And I don't even recall ever hearing that song. No kidding. Truth. No kidding. Yep. Interesting. Well, you know, if you ever want to really, really throw down, John, that's your song. Oh, yeah. yeah it's a solid tune. I like it. It's going to go in my rotation. Yeah, I might add it to the station's play, too. Yeah, and it felt good. You know, I actually actually felt a little, I don't know, a little aggression coming up as I discussed Lindsey Graham. So I, I, I do See? feel a lot better now. You know, it's weird actually having out. actual discourse in, in, in the land of everything has a Band-Aid on it. <laughs> yeah. <Ugh. laughs> no doubt. But, hey, we're bringing, bringing 2020 to a close. I don't know about you, but uh, in my entire lifetime, I don't think there's been a year I have so much looked forward to it ending than this particular year. Yeah, I mean, you know? just across the board, aside from, you know, personal life struggles, man, we lost Eddie Van Halen this year. Yeah. And, you know. Little Richard, um, <laughs> it's, it's just it's just been rough, and I mean dealing with the COVID, obviously, and, and again, 
trials and tribulations in personal lives and business lives. And then, of course, the radio station, which for you and I is sometimes the only sanity we have. You know, I have, I have <laughs> definitely, definitely found sanity in, uh, in doing the show. Yep. And uh, I look forward to it every week. And I very, very, very much uh, appreciate, you know, our audience, people out there listening. And, uh, and the opportunity to sit down with you and do the show every week is, yeah. uh, is truly a privilege. And uh, thank you, John. Uh, very, very, very much mutual. I could not do this show without you. Um, your colorful history, <laughs> um, the, the anecdotes from the, the musicians that you've known and you've met and your, your music knowledge. This is not meant to be a one-man show. So without you, it's only Madden and no Summerall. Hey. But oddly enough, folks... When Michael laid out the dynamic of us doing this show, he was insistent that he was going to be the uh, what's known as the color guy, <laughs> and I was going to do the, the play-by-play. And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Radio Free uh, America, we, but I think we, I'm the more colorful one. Well, we swap that role every week. <laughs> we do. We go we back do. and we forth. Do. We, 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 know? We, and, uh, and one of the things that's, that's, that's really important to remember is we have fun doing this. We do. Otherwise, you know? we'd stop tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and, and going back to, you know, what really has been the cornerstone of this is, you know, obviously, John and I are of different political persuasions, but for some reason... You know, we can still sit down and have a good time and have some drinks and play some good music. And, uh, you know, God, like I said before, God help the world if we have to set the example. But, uh, but I'm proud of the fact that we actually do. Yeah, don't, don't put your baby in front of the radio and expect <laughs> us to raise them. Because that's just, you better off put the baby in a crib with a boa constrictor. Trust me. I'm telling me. you, man. I'm telling you. So but, I'm uh, <laughs> but it's good fun. You know, we have, we have a good time every time we yep. sit down and do this show. And, uh, and I think, you know, going, going forward, 2021, um, you know, that should be our mission statement, continue to be our mission yeah. statement, is just let's, let's have a good time, let's have some fun. Well, there's always room for fun, but as far as I'm concerned, it's time for ruthless expansion. <laughs> I want to start buying up other podcasts and, and making their people live in the street. Because there's so much crap out there. Oh, you know? it's true. It's true. And here, I mean, good, bad, or different, we're real people. We tell it how it is. We yeah. use our regular daily vernacular. Right? Absolutely. Um, there, there's no errors put on. There's no fancy financing or anything. It's just real because we live in real times. We do indeed. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be expanding. We're going to be enriching the content we've already got on Big Boom Radio. I'm looking, forward to, I'm looking forward to 2021. I truly am. Well, we I know it's going to get better. It's not going to yeah, get worse. It can't get no worse. Shit. <laughs> what was that song, man? What was that? That was a Beatles tune. Was it? Yeah. I don't you know. know. I'm thinking Things of... Things are getting oh. better, and then John would chime oh, in. Oh, yeah. It can't get no worse, <laughs> you know? I hearken back to, I believe it was uh, the movie The Freshman, starring Matthew Broderick. I remember uh, that. Many years ago. Yes. And he says, there's a certain independence that comes with being completely screwed, <laughs> knowing things can't possibly get any worse. That is my credo, and that's what I'll leave everybody so, with tonight. So, so appropriate. And I would tell folks, you know, you know, tune in probably next week, maybe the week after, I don't know, but we are so ripe and due for another best of episode. Yep. Now that I'm a master on the editing board, <laughs> set myself up for failure. You are there. getting good at it. You are. I got some skills now. I'm telling you. So, yeah, so look forward to that, folks. And just look forward to a much better year. And, again, to echo Michael's sentiments, thank you so much for joining us on this somewhat bumpy yet fun ride in mass media. Yep. yep. All right. As always, I am Johnny Teflon. And I am Michael Sean Lee. Signing off for 2020. We'll see you next year.